Once again, welcome. And you may be saying, Pastor West looks a little different today. I did wear the white shirt and took my jacket off. few things look the same, but uh, just for those who probably are curious, Pastor West has been suffering for several weeks from kidney stones and uh, had a procedure on Thursday and knew that he might not be quite ready to stand up here. And so uh, keep him in your prayers. He's making a recovery, doing better. But let's keep him in prayers. It's good to see you all here. As I mentioned, welcoming back those that are have been away. And uh, just one reminder about the small groups for adults, that can be college or uh, community members. They begin tonight or this week, and uh, they're listed in the insert, but there are also groups that aren't listed. And if you have questions or want to know which group to join, just come see me after the service today or call us during the week. We'd love to see that you're in a small group. There are a couple of groups that college students can go to, too, Logos groups, and we'll have more information on that. I also just want to mention that on two weeks from today, Sunday the 29th, there's going to be another Sunday lunch. It's for college students, but for all members of the congregation who bring food, potluck dinner, out in the community room after the last service. And, um, but they'll be set up and things going on after this service, so please plan on joining with us, and uh, we'll have a sign-up next week for that. And those in the community can send in sign-ups, or you'll see them next Sunday as well. So I believe those are all the general announcements I need to make. We now move into a message from God's Word. This is a little awkward for me. I'm not used to this service doing it this way. Well, we want to look at God's Word. Whatever you endeavor, whatever we try, we have to begin at the beginning and start with the basics. And... uh, about 20 years ago, at the beginning, uh, at the urging of a uh, whippersnapper high school student, Jeff Boone, I joined the fire department. Is anybody uh, going to see? There he comes. I've retired now from that, so I just, I just wanted to look at that picture one more time. Uh, but uh, it began back then with a course called Basic Firefighter. I call it Firefighter 101. 42 hours of instruction just to get started. And this is a 42-hour-long sermon, so just get ready. (laughs) But whether it's piano lessons or guitar lessons or ski lessons, I see some of you have been out on the ski slopes. Uh, Whatever you do, you kind of have to start with the beginning, the basics, and get it right from the start. So today, we're going to keep it simple and talk about Communion 101, because we're taking the Lord's Supper today. There's nothing more Christian than what we are about to do in this hour, in this service. Walk forward, partake of the bread and the juice, symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a most simple yet most profound act of faith and obedience that says, we believe in, we depend on, we're grateful for Jesus and his work on the cross. And we believe in, And we depend on, and we're grateful for the body of Christ, the believers who partake with us. That's what communion is. So here's the basic fact. Remembering Jesus at the communion table is looking to Jesus' past in faith, living with Jesus at the present in obedience, and longing for the future with Jesus in hope. The art that I'm going to be showing a couple times today in the service is our pictures that my daughter Christy put together when she was a grad assistant with Dr. Scott Moreau at Wheaton Grad School 
years ago. And this is a Navajo artist's rendering of Jesus offering the bread and the wine to his disciples. So let me repeat. Remembering Jesus at the communion table is looking to Jesus' past in faith and living with Jesus at the present in obedience and longing for Jesus in the future in hope. Communion, as we've been singing in this service, is all about Jesus. All about Jesus. According to reliable sources today, we represent about one-tenth of the believers in the world. That is, we North American setting Christians. There are about 2.5 billion Christians, and we're about 10%. Now, African and Latin American Christians account together 50% of this family we call Christian. And European Christians, about 16%. And you can debate who's Christian. We won't go into that. But this is one of the most reliable sources. And these are likely people who take communion. And Asian Christians account for 23%. So you can see right now, we're kind of a small group, small portion. But we're part of a big family. Now, people participate in this meal instituted by Jesus in a whole lot of different ways. Some very elaborate, some very simple. We even do it different ways right here in our church. We're doing it by intinction today. Maybe you've never done that. You dip in a cup with bread and take and then go back. We sometimes serve it around the aisles with cups, and some people receive it today by cups. And there's gluten-free here. You know, there's all different methods. You've been to different churches. I know I've, I've received communion from goblets, like the glass, and teacups, and I've had communion with 18,000 college students at the University of Illinois Urbana Missions Conference. It's awesome. And I've had communion with about a dozen people in a little grass hut on the mountainsides of Haiti. And it's awesome. Because we're the body of Christ, remembering Jesus. And some people use expensive wine, and I've had communion with kind of a sappy, sweet drink in Sierra Leone that's called Vimto. And when I said that last service, Steve Pocock said, yeah, because he remembers Vimto when he was a short-term missionary in Sierra Leone. Some people even use water and other things besides bread. So it's, it's not so much the mode of what we do, but what we're doing. And I'm fully aware, and you may be thinking of this, that there are a lot of theological debates about communion. It can be called communion, which means fellowship, or even the word koinonia is very close to the idea of communion. It can be Eucharist, which means the Thanksgiving, the great Thanksgiving feast. And it is a Thanksgiving feast. Paul calls it the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is a very important passage. Then there are debates like transubstantiation and consubstantiation. And I told Mike uh, Jordan in the early service, he's got to sort that all out for you. We're not going into that today. It's basic communion 101. Although those are rich and important debates. Communion is all about Jesus. Now you can go home. You've got the message. (laughs) But I want to talk a little more about his past We look back at a meal, as we read in the scripture this morning, instituted by Jesus himself and filled with meaning about his sacrificial death. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
John talks about the setting in his uh, upper room passages, but doesn't specifically mention the communion. Book of Acts, right away, the new disciples, the new followers of Jesus in Acts chapter 2 broke bread together, so it's referred to right away throughout Acts. And then Paul, of course, in the other New Testament books, refers to the Lord's Supper. If someone doesn't actually believe in Jesus, or doesn't accept that he died for them, then this meal doesn't make much sense. But when we remember that Jesus was foreseen all through the Old Testament scriptures, even in the book of Genesis, uh, where it says, let us make man in our image, it's Already Jesus is there, and all throughout the Old Testament there's types of Jesus and there's references, and then the prophecies about the Messiah that are foreshadowed and predicted. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 3 has one of the most poignant passages, and you've heard these words perhaps before, where it tells about the suffering servant who was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So at the right time, that servant came. And after three years of compassionate and tender ministry, we sang about them this morning, Jesus himself instituted this supper around the Jewish Passover that was introduced over a thousand years earlier by Moses, at Moses' time when he was delivering the people from Egypt, remember? And uh, if they killed a certain lamb and sprinkled the blood over the door, the angel would pass over them and uh, spare them from judgment. And so what Jesus was doing was, as a good Jew, fulfilling the Passover, but it happened to be that traumatic week when suddenly Jesus was going to the cross. And so he was showing his bewildered disciples that he had to die for the forgiveness of sins. In Matthew's version of the Last Supper, Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's clear what it is. Jesus was deliberately and symbolically transferring the meaning of his upcoming sacrificial death on the cross as a covering or an atonement for our sins. This was the blood of the new covenant, the new promise. From that moment on, remembering the Lord's death at this supper is perhaps the central act of worship of the church. At the Lord's Supper, this communion table, we hear Jesus say, Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to show you a few slides here of uh, this artwork from around the world. Global Christians who depict the Lord's Supper. This profound, life-giving, precious meal together. This one is from Sri Lanka by an artist there. My favorite from Cameroon is where my daughter Christy just arrived today and is joining my other daughter and our grandchildren and family there for a few weeks. So Cameroonian. There's another one from China. And one from the Democratic Republic of Congo. 
little more modern art there and depiction. Mike Jordan's going to take this PowerPoint to his small group tomorrow night. He wants to discuss these paintings after the first service, so maybe you see meaning in them. And then Nicaragua. And we could go to others. All right, so communion is about this meal that Jesus had with his disciples, which he poured all kinds of meaning into. But also communion is about the present. He says, as often as you do this, remember me. So he expects us to be doing it now, and we are doing it now. Communion demonstrates a lot about our present relationship with Jesus and with the rest of his followers here in this room, as we've seen around the world. Jesus is here. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I'm present. I'm here. And he even said to the church in Asia Minor, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. Now, that's a little different passage. It's not about the Lord's Supper. But the idea is that Jesus wants to be with us and fellowship with us. A famous Swiss Catholic theologian, lay Catholic, says, first and foremost, oh, his name is Hans Kuhn, first and foremost, the Lord's Supper is a fellowship with Christ. We must think about this personally and then corporately. So let's talk about it first personally. For us as individuals, this is fellowship with Jesus. He knows our hearts. Are you drawn to Jesus? Are you looking for him? Are you seeking to know him, to be close to him? Are you confirming, affirming that he's with you? Do you want your sins forgiven or have you already? And are you affirming today that he has, his blood has forgiven your sins? I was only a preschooler in Houghton. Yeah, I know, ancient years ago, up on Tucker Hill Road. There was a little house that now is burned to the ground. My mother flipped the oven door down, and I kneeled by that oven door. And as a preschooler, I said, Lord, I want you to wash my heart clean. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know Jesus. You can invite him into your heart. And if you've done that, this supper means an awful lot to you. We believe in children taking communion here. You may have wondered. We have a little booklet in the back foyer where the children receive their books and so on. It says, Explaining the Lord's Supper to Children. If you haven't read it as families, you can... Pick one up today. So you don't have to be, you know, a PhD to take the Lord's Supper. And I want to be, be careful, but it was precious that someone came to me and told how your brother, uh, Kyle, takes the Lord's Supper and how it's meaningful to him. Yeah, it's not for special people. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. I think I'm lost. Yeah, let's find our papers here. Christians have a unique relationship with Jesus. He's the bread of life. He says in John chapter 6, you know, that you should feed on me. Are we cannibals? (laughs) There's a unique thing here going on. I know that in Paul, he talks about Christ in me and me in Christ, us in Christ. There's, There's a unique relationship with Jesus for Christians. And I admit, it's a mystery It's a mystery. You can't figure it all out on paper here today. John Wesley calls communion, and we believe that communion is a means of grace. What does that mean? A means of grace. You know what it means? God 
can do something special and in our hearts through this time together in communion. It's special. It's a mystery. So many times I've, I've come to communion in this church or in Africa or in Haiti or in Russia or in other places I've been, and, and I have a special burden on my heart. I may just feel discouraged. I may have committed sin that I just feel miserable about, or I may have had a, a bad thought about a professor, or no, not about a professor, but uh, a colleague or somebody, <laughs> You know, and, and you just almost feel unclean. And I've sometimes wondered, well, maybe I shouldn't take communion. But then I see Jesus open arms and I say, thank God for his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And I come and I leave different, renewed. This is this mystery. This is this means of grace that we receive at communion. John Wesley said, do you use this at every opportunity? Do so with solemn prayer, with earnest and deliberate self-devotion. How often should you take communion? Some people take it every week. There's now communion on campus very frequently. Uh, Some churches take it a couple special times. We try to take it at least every month here together and join together in communion. Don't stay away from the table unless you really feel that this is not the time because it is a table of grace and a time for you to meet with Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about corporately. It's fellowship with each other as well. And communion isn't always just somber. Sometimes you've noticed that communion can, can be a joyful time, celebration time. At Urbana, I felt that when there was 15,000 of us and music was going, it was a time of joy. So you'll see smiles and you'll see joy as well. To the early church in Acts chapter 2, uh, they came together immediately and broke bread. Not in one big cathedral because thousands of people and there was no church, so they did it in their homes. Hans Kung, the theologian, says again, It is a fellowship with Christ and so fellowship with other Christians. Our common union with Christ naturally leads to union of those who share the Lord's Supper among themselves. The one is not possible without the other because they all partake of the same bread, the Lord Christ. So, We do it together. And this is why we practice open communion here. It's not about excluding or judging or about denominational lines or church membership, our church. There's even, as I mentioned, differences of opinion opinion about it. But it's about Jesus. If we believe in and love and even seek Jesus as we come as a beginner, it's for us. It demonstrates unity in diversity. Even in Acts chapter 2, they were people of different languages and cultures taking communion together. I love Ephesians chapter 2. I was going to even preach from Ephesians chapter 2 about the great wall of division being broken down between Jews and Greeks. And if it was a big division back then, look at the divisions in our world today. I've kind of tried to stress that with those pictures and those statistics. Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. So there's no room here for mistrust or for bullying or slander or anger or party spirit or nationality or pride. We leave that when we come to this table. Or we get right at making it right and reconciling as soon as possible. 
I like to read Christianity Today magazine, and the most recent issue is, of course, just out, and the editor-in-chief, Mark Galley, wrote this about the transition in our United States government. Some of you aren't from the United States, so you'll have to pardon the fact that we're going through a bit of things right now in our country. And there's a lot of division, in case you didn't notice. He says about this division, We can speak charitably to one another about our disagreements, taking the time to find out what each of us believes and why. We can stop saying explicitly or implicitly, I have no need of you. And we can continue to literally break bread with one another in our churches and in our homes, praying earnestly for one another, warmly calling each other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what this table does. So there is much to remember and to examine about Jesus and our present relationships. But lastly, there's this thing about the future. Communion is about Jesus in the future. He came, he served, he died, he rose, and he will come back triumphantly. I can be brief on this because just a few weeks ago I preached on January 1 um, about this very topic, the, the return of Christ. Lord, we just pray that you'll help our person in the back who's needing your help. We pray that you'll give wisdom and touch him. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. So, the Apostle Paul explains to the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. For whenever you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, until he returns. So, we're going to do this till the Lord comes back. And we come today full of hope and anticipation about the future, because it's his future. To the disciples on that first night, they were sad, they were confused. Jesus was already looking beyond the next frightful 24 hours of his death to what his death would accomplish. New Testament scholar R.T. France says, What was about to happen was not the end, but a new beginning. The kingdom of God was becoming a reality. The future was not a funeral but a feast. Indeed, one day we have another feast coming. We will celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb, described in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And we have a picture here by a Brazilian artist. Lots in that picture, but uh, a picture of the last feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb. So at communion, we look ahead to the day when every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Communion is wonderfully simple. It's about Jesus, past, present, and future. We're going to go to prayer. Usually Pastor Wes at this time does in this service have the pastoral prayer, so we'll be combining the pastoral prayer with our preparations for communion. Pray with me. I want to get a few thoughts, too, for the prayer time.
Let's pray. Lord, we're in your presence and you're here in this room. We're so thankful that you are here with us. Make us even more aware of your work in our own lives and in our world. Thank you so much, Jesus, for inviting us to taste and experience God's love and forgiveness through your selfless sacrifice on the cross. We lift you up and glorify you, risen and coming King. You've invited us to bring our concerns to you, and we do pray for the sick. We pray for our needs right here today. We pray for Pastor Wes, that you would touch him in this recovery. There are many others who are grieving and lost loved ones recently, and there's others on our thoughts and hearts. We take a moment just to remember those who need you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Pray for those serving around the world. We thank you that Diane Emmons has safely arrived in Uganda. Bless her ministry there in Kenya for a few weeks. And for the Shearers, who are part of a medical dental team in Haiti, bless their time, especially down right where the hurricane hit so recently, as they minister to needy people and are ministered to by blessed Christians who love you. Bless that work, we pray. Think today of the thousands of believers around the world, we can hardly believe the numbers, who suffer violence and persecution. We pray that you would give them courage and comfort as they face these terrible times. Reward their courage amidst suffering. Be present with them. We also think today of the the day, the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and so we think of others who need protection and safety, and courage, and comfort. Those who work for these causes, and those who suffered because of these causes. Physical, emotional challenges, accidents, illness, things that have caused these issues, or just the culture that is anti-life in some cases. Lord, we pray for our nation, as we've already mentioned, in transition, United States, changing administrations this week. Lord, you've told us to pray for our leaders, and so we pray for the new administration and the new elected officers, officials, in all levels of government, that you would give them wisdom and courage and speak to them and guide them so that we might live in peace and unity and not in division. Closer to home, we also pray for our church as we begin new Sunday school ministries and home ministries, small groups college ministries, and we pray for churches in our area. Once again, we pray for a church in Wellsville, the Presbyterian Church, and Pastor Tom Christofferson. Thank you that we are one in Christ. Around your table, we just serve the same Jesus. Bless them and make us all salt and light in this world. Lord, we draw near to you and pray that all we do will bring glory and honor to your name as we pray the Lord's Prayer together that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.
We also pray, Jesus, we're thankful and we're full of thanks today that we can partake this meal together that you've left for us, a meal that reminds us of your great love and sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. We confess our need of you. We affirm our faith in you. We declare our love for one another because of you. We commit our lives and future to you. Bless these elements of bread and juice as they represent your body and your blood given for us. Be present in this meal, Lord, and be real to each one of us as we celebrate this together. We pray in Jesus' name.